3: In that case, I pronounce
0: you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Love Talk Radio.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. I'm your host tonight, Gregory Turner. If you need to get in contact with me during the show, please email me at Gregory Turner at Enterprises.com. Our co-host tonight is Brian Henderson, President and CEO of Mind Altering Strategies. And Brian will be with us in just a second. Tonight, we have a wonderful, wonderful show.
1: We have a mighty woman of God.
2: Her name is Beverly Beverly T. Gooden. She's the founder and CEO of, of the Beverly T. Gooden Corporation. She's also the author of Make It Plain and Confession of a Church Girl. She is wonderful. She's my sister. And we all love her to death. Beverly, are you there? I am here. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing fine. To all the listeners out there, the one that's going to call in, Beverly has agreed to give away three books tonight. So the first three people that will email me, Beverly will give you that book, and she will also autograph the book. Let me give you my email address again. It's Gregory Turner at AbundantSolutionsEnterprises.com. Beverly, that's so sweet of you to give your book away.
0: Oh, it's a gift. It's a gift from God to me, and so it's going to be a gift from me to you. So, <laughs> But it's all about giving Yes, it is. Yes, it is.
2: Uh, I think we have our co-host that just joined us. Brian, are you there? I'm here. <laughs> Brian, Beverly's on the line.
3: Hey, Beverly. How are you doing?
2: Good. How are you, Brian?
3: Blessed, blessed. I'm glad to hear you finally get to talk <laughs> to
2: you. <laughs> yes, I've been bragging about Beverly forever.
3: So
2: I know it means, <laughs> Brian, am I right? Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> for those for those that, that don't know The Confessions of a Church Girl, they know you, they know that you're the author. Mm-hmm. But to those that want to get the book, how can they get it?
0: They can get the book by going to um t tom, dot com, or you could just go to amazon.com and it's on there as well. If you type in Confessions of a Church Girl or Beverly Gooden, it'll come up. Um so you can get it either way.
2: Okay, okay. So Beverly, what about speaking engagements? Are you taking any speaking engagements? Uh,
1: I the-
0: am taking speaking engagements. If you would like to um, book for speaking engagements, you can email um, David Wilson, and his email address is soulfultenorDave at AOL dot com, or you can give him a call. His phone number is seven five seven five seven two nine five two four. So Beverly, what about
2: the ones that want to get the book? Make it plain your first book is that still available?
0: No, that's not available yet. I haven't released that one yet. That one I'm going to revise and release um, next summer. Oh, okay. Okay.
2: So, Beverly, tell us about your your corporation.
0: The corporation is designed to establish residential housing for homeless and abused children. Um, At this point, we're still trying to gather grants together to get the first house built, the first two are going to be in Cleveland, Ohio, and Chicago, Illinois. And um, I, I just have a, um, a, an urgency and a passion in my heart for, for children that are abused, neglected, or have no home. And um, there's absolutely no reason for there to be um, so much funding for war and not funding for the own war that we're fighting in the United States, which is against poverty and homelessness. And so this corporation is designed to provide relief for these children that may be suffering from this. I am an adopted child myself, and so um, I don't know my parents, don't know that situation. And so I empathize with these children who are going through these things, and I don't um really understand why more people aren't reaching out to these children. But that's what we're going to do. We're going to... um to establish those those houses for the children and also work on some other projects um, in South Africa and in Africa. So that's going to be great. But that's a little farther down the line, <laughs> um, but we're excited about that as well.
2: That's wonderful, wonderful. So, Beverly, we, we've we read uh, all about you. We Some of us know some of the things that happened to you. Uh, can you take us back to when you were 16 years old and tell us some of the things that happened?
0: Um, well, the first thing that happened to me was that I was raped when I was 12, um, and I think that really jump-started um, the whole promiscuous activity um, and eventually led to the drug addiction that happened, um, you know, when I was in my teenage years, and the sexual addiction, um, self-mutilation, that means cutting myself or um, being a cutter, as some people will call it, and um, eventually getting raped again, which I actually write about in the book, um, is is something else that contributed to the the down spiral of my life and how I felt about myself and how I related to other human beings, especially of the opposite sex. And um, throughout the book, I discuss um, my life, developing the sexual addiction, how I got from being a virgin um, to having slept with over 60 men. Um, how I got from there to there, um, and how I was healed. And I think the main main purpose of the book and the topic of the book is redemption and healing. Um, And that's what I hope to get across to everyone that reads it, is that no matter whether you slept with one person, um, had a sexual addiction, no matter how many drugs you've been on, if you've cut yourself, if you've not, if you just have low self-esteem, that there's healing. Um, for you, I, I love the song that you played when you opened um, by Kelly Price, Healing for My Soul. I actually knew that song back when it was a secular song on her first album, and I loved it then. And then um, she made it a gospel song, and it was even more powerful then. So I think that really relates to Confessions of a Church Girl and what the purpose of it is.
2: Yes, yes. For, you know, to, you're talking about healing in, in Kelly Price's song. For there to be healing, do you think that the people that are the women that are going through being raped, that have gone through that, mm-hmm. do you think at some point they need to open up and deal with it? Uh, it is a very shameful thing. It's a very embarrassing thing. But what would you say to that when I, when I say that? But
0: well, I think it's a it's a it's a it's a life saving. Um, thing to be able to open up about it because the, the problem with with hiding rape and hiding these circumstances is that it builds a, a, a deadly cyst on your soul, and it grows and it grows and it grows um, until it either has to be removed or you die. And so, the opening up of what has happened to you um, with rape is removing that cyst. Is saying, okay, now I'm ready to confront this issue. I'm ready to confront the issues that have come as a product of being raped. I'm ready to confront myself when yeah. I when I cry alone at night in the dark. I'm ready to confront that. And um, I think the first step. In, in confronting rape and acknowledging what is happening and moving forward is acknowledging the fact that it's possible for you to be healed. And I know a lot of women, after they've been raped, don't even think healing is possible. They don't think that it can happen. They think that they have to deal with this thing forever. But when you acknowledge the possibility, you say, hey, I could be healed. I could go. I could get through this. There is, There is healing. There is a possibility that I won't have to cry all the time. That's the first step in overcoming the effects of rape is acknowledgement, because what you don't acknowledge you will not heal from, and what you don't speak about no one will know to help you heal from. And so I believe that's the first step.
2: Yes, yes. Well, let me ask you this. You know, we hear about tests, we hear about testimonies, but sometimes, you know, when a situation like this happens, and I know that it's very, very hard for us to say, you know what, I need to take me out of the picture. I need to take me out of this because, This happened a while back. I've gone through that. Mm -hmm. I'm now healing. I know God. But what about those that feel that this is it? It, My life won't get any better. This can't change. What would you say to those people?
0: Yeah, that's that's a lie that you've been told. Um, There may have been a lie that you even told yourself. If, If you're saying that, well, the thing about it is, first thing, is that you have what you say. If you continue to say that this is it, and if you continue to say that it's not going to get better, then that's exactly what you're going to have. You have to start saying, I want to be healed and I'm going to be healed and it's going to get better. I don't have to deal with this. That's the first step. And the second thing is um, that that's that's a lie that the enemy has, has convinced you of or, or that someone has convinced you of, that you've tried to convince yourself that it's not going to get better. It can always get better. I know I was talking to you earlier and I was telling you about how um, when I came to the realization that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the power that's living inside of me, then I knew that I could overcome anything, that I could get, that it didn't have to stay the way it was. And I say that because the Holy Spirit was a parting gift from Jesus when he ascended into heaven and said, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. You all go make disciples of all the nations. Oh, and by the way, I'm going to you know, leave the same spirit that raised me from the dead with you. So here you go. So there is no reason. To, to believe or to convince yourself or to have anyone convince you that it can't get better. Can't is, is not a word that you should use. It can always get better. And because you have the power of Jesus Christ living on the inside of you, the same power that raised him from the dead, it can get better. It, that, that makes no sense, and, and that's something that we have to dispel and combat and fight against. The I don't think it can get better, woe well, is me. No, 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 that's not what we do. We get better. We move on. We keep going. And I know it hurts. I know. I've been there. I understand the laying in bed right when the lights have come off and it's late at night and you're trying to go to sleep and just being there with yourself and crying. I've been there. I know what that's like, but it doesn't have to stay that way.
3: Wow. Hey, Beverly, um, Mm -hmm. I want to change gears a little bit. Okay. Um, If you can, can you talk about um, how you felt when your high school sweetheart died? Yes. Can you take us back there?
0: Mm -hmm. That was um, probably the most devastating experience of my life, even beyond um, the rape. The rape was physical, but death is is, is final. Earthly death is final. Um, And so... Um, It was very unexpected. He was there one day and gone the next. Uh, We were going through some things in our relationship. We had just broken up and become um, friends, and we were still, you know, that period of of just breaking up. You're trying to figure out what you want to do and what you want to be, and and, and if you could speak to each other and things like that. And um, he actually went to go play basketball, and he actually died playing basketball. Um, He had a heart attack um, while playing. And... um, it was it was extremely devastating. I didn't really understand what was going on. I don't think I even really grasped the fact that he was gone and and dead and not coming back until days later. Um I can remember um finding out he was dead and then sending him an email just to see if he replied even though I had heard he was dead and I was told he was dead, still not really understanding it. And so that was a very difficult time in my life trying to put together the pieces of um, okay, he he's here and now he's gone, and um being depressed, extremely depressed, and having to go to counseling, um things like that. So that was um one of the worst experiences of my life, but i've I've got hope through it, and i I still miss him. I still think about him sometimes. Um I'm not devastated anymore. I'm not depressed anymore, but I celebrate his life, and I celebrate the time that I had with him. um, but that was a very, very hard time.
2: Wow. Mm. Beverly, you said you were raped at the age of 12. Mm. I was talking with a girl just the other day. She's maybe 25, 26 years old. And she was telling me about one of her friends had been raped, and she was uh, like 12 or 13. And now this girl is 30 years old. This happened a long time ago. But it seems that she's at a point where she's running from it. She's not facing up to it. And is controlling her life. She wants to get married, but at the same time, she won't let a man get um,
1: mm-hmm. next to mm-hmm. her.
2: She won't let him get close. She just won't. It, 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 it's something that came from the rape, and she can't get past it. Yeah. What would you say to her?
0: She has to forgive him. I think her main issue is being able to forgive the person that, that raped her, and that's a uh, That is um, one of the most difficult parts of overcoming rape and healing, but it's the the final part, and it's the the part that you can't can't skip over, you know, um, skip over questions in an exam you're taking. This is the the question that you can't skip over. So she has to come to a place in her life where she can say, I forgive you, Um, I, I accept what happened to me, it was wrong, you were wrong, but I forgive you so that I can move on and live my life. I, um, after I was raped the second time, um, I dealt with that as well. And it was a, uh, I, I can understand her because the sexual addiction was a product of that. I was rebelling against men. I didn't want to be touched by a man. I didn't want a man to control me in any way. So any man that approached me, I immediately said, I'm going to take control of this situation. You're not going to hurt me. I'm going to get what I want. You think you know what you want, but I'm going to get what I want and leave you. And I had that that mind frame, probably the same one that she has. And then after a while, it got old. It's like, okay, I've been doing this for a while now. I actually may want a relationship um, how do I get from being um, <laughs> t- from turning into the abuse to the abuser? How do I get from being the abuser now to being a person that can have an effective relationship? and it was through forgiving him. I hadn't forgiven him. I was still mad at him. And so every action that I took after that was against him and out of anger towards him and out of anger towards what happened to me. And so what 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 your friend or the em- or the young lady that emailed you needs to to do first of all is pray to God, that, that he'll give her the grace and the mercy and the um, strength to forgive this person for what he did. Um, because until she forgives him for what she did, she she's not going to be able to move on. Yeah. And so this is a vital part, and forgiveness is not for him, it's for her, so that she can move on.
2: Yes. Do you think it's more of a power thing? For her? For anyone that's been raped. I, I know that you said that oh, you, yeah. you wanted to control this and you wanted to control that You know, after that happened to you. Yes, so think it's, it's definitely
0: more? a power thing.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: It's definitely all about um, regaining control or what you think is control in your head, instead of letting God have control. It's about um, I felt powerless in the situation as as I wrote about the um the rape the second rape in my book. Um, it it was a very powerless situation. I was small. He was big. Um, he, he grabbed me. I couldn't move. You know, I was pinned down, couldn't get up, kicked, screamed, didn't work. And so that was a very powerless situation. And so coming from that, you want to regain power. You want to say, okay, I have control over my body. I have control over what I say. I have control over what I do. I have control over what other people do to me. And so it's definitely a power struggle. It's one of those power struggles that ends with either you having power and and your life turning out maybe not how you wanted it or letting God have power and your life turning out better.
3: Wow. Hmm. Um, Beverly, I want to ask you a little bit about um, when you talked about your sexual addiction,
1: mm-hmm.
3: did you, um, and I this is a little personal, but I want, just want to get a, a good idea of, okay. you know, what you went through, you know, with that sexual addiction. Mm-hmm. Was it a pleasurable thing? You know, because, you know, a lot of times when you're in that heat of the moment and you do it afterwards, you feel a certain type of way. So can yeah. you sort of give us a picture of that.
0: Yes, it was definitely not pleasurable. The sexual addiction was was completely about control, about power, about escape um, from from what I was feeling. When it, it's it's similar to a drug addiction or maybe an alcohol addiction that you engage in the activity when you want to get away from whatever's bothering you. The sad thing about my sexual addiction is what was bothering me was me and I couldn't escape me because I was living with me. And so um, I would act very recklessly. I would sleep with people, have lots of one-night stands. Um, It was never meant to be pleasurable. It never was pleasurable. Um, It was actually in turn painful because I was hurting myself on the inside. I would literally separate myself from the act. Beverly would be there, but Beverly wouldn't be in the act. Beverly would be in control of the act, but um, Beverly wouldn't be there. So um, I would have many sexual encounters with nameless Faces, people that I didn't know, um, that that it would be there and then it would go away. So it was not a, um, it wasn't a pleasure seeking experience. It was an escape route um, from the things that I was dealing with, uh, and that's why I say until I dealt with those things, I, I couldn't, um, I couldn't escape. And so um, it was, it was never really, it was never about pleasure. Um, when the sexual addiction, when I actually could see that it was actually an, an issue. Um, there was no pleasure after that. It was, it was purely, strictly control in business and business. And this is what is going to help me get through my day without having to look in the mirror at myself. Um, just, just um, very reckless things. So um, I believe that's the life of any addict. And any addict is not, is not necessarily. Some do, but but most don't necessarily do it for the pleasure of it. They do it um, so that they don't have to face reality. Um, their reality of pain or their reality of poverty or of sorrow, of of confusion. uh, Whatever their reality is, they do it to escape that, and that was what sex was for me.
3: Um, Hold on.
2: Brian, his thoughts. If you're just joining in, you're listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour, and you're listening in, our special guest tonight is best-selling author and humanitarian Beverly T. Gooden. She's the author of the book, the best-selling book that's out there right now, Confessions of a Church Girl. If you're, it, it's out there. It's on Amazon.com. I believe that's what you said. Am I correct, Beverly? Yeah, it's on
0: Amazon.com.
2: And it's out there. Go out and buy it. It's a wonderful book. It'll help uh, a lot of people that's dealing with issues. And it's a very, as one uh, person emailed me today, this is raw and it is real. When I read the chapter, of Beverly, I had to ask myself, you know what, this, is this real? Did this mm-hmm. really happen? Because the way it is written, I, I felt, I, I, it, I'm, losing, I'm just losing everything right now, but I felt as if I saw everything happening, mm-hmm. and it seemed so real. Yeah, go ahead. I'm
0: sorry. That's how I wrote it. I wanted it to be a very real experience for the reader. I wanted the reader to be there with me and to see what I saw and to feel how I felt and to experience uh, the joy, the laughter, the the rage, the hurt, the pain, all with me um, to get a better picture of the path towards healing Um, because a lot of times we read um, preacher books or books that are more sermonic, um, they give you a few steps to get here and a few steps to get here, um, but 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 I'm not that type of writer, and I wanted to write um, so that you could feel, so that you could sense with your senses what was going on um, and relate it to your life and 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 get something out of it that was connected to you. A lot of people have emailed me and said that was me. I could I could be I was there in the car with you. I remember songs like that. I remember feeling like that, um, and that is. That is my goal with this book is for you to be able to feel with me for us to take this journey together and then get to the end together where there's um an extraordinary experience of healing and redemption um between me and god um that so that's how I wrote it. I want it to be very very raw and very real it's not i I wouldn't say it's graphic or exploitative, but I would definitely say it's very um very real very very real to life. I'm telling exactly what happened. In, um, it is true, all of it is true, um, and that is just, I believe, the testament of the grace of God. And I tell people all the time that God wrote my story, I just lived it. So all I had to do was walk it out and then write about it. And and here we are discussing issues like rape and sexual addiction in the church that are never discussed. And so I have to commend you and Brian um, for even having me on the show to discuss these things, because these are very real issues that women and men face daily daily and have faced, like you said, the the young lady emailed you 15 Mm -hmm. years ago, 15, 16, 17 years ago, and still not dealt with. So these are very real issues.
2: Yes, they are. And, you know, this is what I think, Beverly, this is where I think you can help set a lot of people free. And the reason I say that is when you were in the Valley, you were at your lowest point, Mm -hmm. being raped at 12, not knowing your parents. You could have just given up stayed out there in the world. Mm-hmm. But what I want you to, to to tell me and tell the listeners,
0: mm-hmm.
2: what was God whispering in your ears?
0: Destiny and purpose. Um, the main thing that, that I heard from God during those bad times was to not give up because there was something better in the end. Now, that was 12 years ago that I was raped for the first time. And so um, I, I didn't quite get it the first time I heard it. So I actually did try to commit suicide um, by taking 40 Tylenol pills at once. Um, wow. And my mother found me and took me to the hospital. I was 14 at this point. Um, and I had just come forward about the rape. And it was two years later, of course, after the rape. Um, but the police that we reported it to said I was lying. And so um, that 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 was very devastating, and so I tried to commit suicide after that. But even after taking 40 Tylenol pills, which should have killed me instantly, I was still alive. And so just making it let me know that there was something, that, that what he said was true, that there was something better for me, that there was something that I was to give to the world, um, that there was something that I was to do. And so all those years of of, of struggle and depression and desperation and fighting and, and struggling, Um, I knew, I don't know if it's an innate um, hope that God gave me um, to give to other people as well, but I knew that there was destiny and there was purpose. I understood the the Bible verse in Romans of being predestined and pre-called and and foreknew. And, And the funny thing about the Bible and the funny thing about God is that he speaks about all of us in past tense. He speaks in EDs, predestined, called, he says things like for new, So that lets me know that when he said it is finished, he went up there and he sat down. So that means that all of our lives have already been walked out and planned. We just have to live them. And so that gave me a sense of destiny and purpose, knowing that I had been spoken of in past tense and that I didn't have to struggle because it would end and, and, and that my life was already um, planned out for me. And so I believe that's what kept me going is a sense of purpose and destiny and understanding those verses.
3: Okay, definitely. Um, hello?
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Okay, I'm back. I'm having some technical difficulties here. we got a really bad storm blowing in. Um, I want to ask you a little bit about um, you talked about your issues with depression. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, depression is a real tricky thing. You know, a lot of people, you know, fall into that category of being depressed and they don't even know it.
0: Mm-hmm. And
3: so what was your – when did you realize that you were – uh, in that state of depression
0: actually my parents realized it before i did i was very much in denial i was very much i'm um, thinking this was a normal part of the process when someone you know when you go through something or when someone dies that you you know you're sad um but my my sadness was extensive it didn't pass it kept going and so my parents um my parents called it first they said she she might be depressed you might want to you know, take her to see someone. And and we went to see someone, sure enough, I was suffering from depression. Um, My mother did not want me medicated, um, so there was no medication involved. I had to deal with my issues um, head on. Um, I was seeing a a counselor, and um, I I didn't really feel that she was very effective in what she did. But the one thing that she did um, instill in me was to write. She told me to write about everything to write everything down, to start a journal, to start writing. And I said, hey, I'm going to start writing. So um, I began writing and I wrote everything down. And that's, that's ex- exactly where Make a Plane evolved from, was from the, the journal that I started writing um, coming out of the Depression. Um, so I was one of those people that were depressed in denial because I didn't want to acknowledge that something may be wrong, that, that this may be a real issue, um so, I was definitely one of those one of those people that didn't believe they were depressed, but it was very, very um, a very deep, dark hole um depression is is very serious, and I don't really feel that we talk about it enough um, because a lot of people are and don't know they are. It's when you can't function when when there's a dark cloud over you all the time when when nothing makes you makes you happy, you can't find joy in any situation. Um, and, and not just one day. We all have our days, but this is weeks and months and, and maybe years. Um, so, so yeah, I was I was definitely in denial.
2: Beverly, in chapter eleven of your book, you said, "On Sunday, I went to church." Mm-hmm. That was right after the nasty thing that happened. What were you thinking while you were sitting in church that, that, that particular Sunday?
0: I was you, crying you, my eyes out.
2: Did you ask the Lord, why did this happen to me?
0: You know, I, I didn't really get into the whole um, questioning of the Lord thing. Uh, I think the first time I was really too young to understand questioning the Lord. Um, but the, the, that time I didn't really because I knew it wasn't him that, that did this to me. I knew God in um, his goodness and, and, and his love more mm-hmm. than the orchestrator of what happened to me. I knew it was the enemy. So it was more um, of, of, of crying and, and grieving um, through the loss because it, rape is, is truly a loss. It's a loss of um, for someone that has never had sex. It's a loss of um, innocence. Mm-hmm. Um, for for ever even if you had sex, it's a loss of innocence, it's a loss of of something being taken from you that you didn't give. And so, um, sitting in church that Sunday, I was I did a lot of crying, I did a lot of praying. I just wanted to be better. I just wanted to feel better. I just wanted the pain to go away. And if a God could make that pain go away that day, then I, then I figured I'd be all right. Um, so that's really what, what what that Sunday was all about. A lot of tears. um and a lot of crying. You know what?
2: You don't have to talk about this if you don't want to. But oh, not my. But I remember I called you. It was sometime last year, probably August, September, October. I can't remember the exact mm-hmm. month it was. But I called you. You and I have been talking uh, kind of often. And I called you some particular day, and you didn't answer your telephone.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Another person answered the phone,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and she said. Is this Greg? I said, yes, it is. I said, may I speak with Beverly? She said, well, Greg, Beverly's not doing well. Mm-hmm. She's in. I'm at the hospital with her right now. Mm-hmm. And I immediately said, what happened? And the only thing that I can remember her saying is, it happened again.
0: It was July 22nd of last year um, when someone that had helped me move into my apartment came back and attacked me um, and did the same thing. Uh, in my own home, so um, and amazingly this is how this is how powerful God is. I had written the book by that on the, by that point, and I was um in the middle of trying to decide how I wanted to go about publishing it um and then this happened um but it didn't break my stride it didn't even put a dent in what I was doing it didn't break my step um because by then I had developed such an amazing relationship with god or rather he had developed such an amazing relationship with me that i knew what it was i knew it was the enemy i knew that it was the devil trying to stop what i was doing and i am not scared of the devil the devil does not scare me he has no power sometimes i wish he would just go to hell and sit down however he's not because he's 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 running around doing things right now um but that that situation did not even deter me one bit because I knew it was attack on destiny. And so a long time ago when I started writing the book, when, I, when, when God decided that I was going to do ministry um, all the time, I knew I wasn't turning back no matter what came. And I told him that and I prayed, God, I want you to know that I'm committed to this, that no matter what happens, whether people talk about me, whether um, no one cares or whether something attacks me, I am not going to quit. And so that was just a bump in the road and it didn't even trip me up because the the purposes of God and the destiny of God are more important than anything that the enemy could throw at you. And he knows I'm not scared of him, and that's why I think he tries to attack me so much. And, and I wish that, um, and I pray that the body of Christ will get to the point where we're not scared of the enemy, where we don't go crying every time the enemy um, does something and wallowing and, and falling into more deep depression and, and all these things. We've got to get to the point where the enemy throws a dart at uh, us. So we throw a dart back. We need to stand up to him. We need to say, we don't We don't care who you are. It doesn't matter. You have no power over me. You do not have resurrection power. You don't have the power that raised Jesus from the dead. I do. So what can you do to me? What can hell do to you? Nothing. Because <laughs> Jesus already conquered it. He got the <laughs> yes, yes. Jesus is running heaven and hell, so what?
2: <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I was about to tell you, better go ahead, and just cut loose. It sounds like you. You
0: <laughs> know, know, because I, I get sick and tired of, of, um, of, of people being afraid of the enemy, of people really backing down and saying, oh, Lord, the enemy's coming after me again. Yeah, he's coming after you. You know why he's coming after you? Because you're a child of God. It's his job. If he's not coming after you, you need to be afraid because something's wrong. Right. <laughs> you need to go into your prayer closet and find out what's going on and why he's not attacking you. But we need to stand up to the enemy. That, that, that's my thing. I, I'm not scared. I ain't never scared. You need to stand up to the enemy <laughs> and tell him you ain't never scared. That's right.
2: All the <laughs> listeners out there, if you just call, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour. If you have any questions for Beverly, Brian, or myself, you can call in at 718. 718- Five zero eight nine six zero zero that's seven one eight five zero eight nine six zero zero and Beverly will answer any question that you may have. I think Brian had a question
3: for you beverly
2: mm-hmm.
3: Yes, Beverly, I want to get back to um, the issue on depression mm-hmm. because um there's something that you said earlier that really sparked my attention, and it's about uh, how most times we don't really talk about depression.
1: Mm-mm. do you
3: think that's something that's just Uh, that's sort of commonplace in the black community because, you know, where I work, I work with a lot, you know, with diverse cultures. And I hear, you know, uh, mostly um, Caucasians talk about depression. Mm -hmm. But it's very rare that you hear, uh, like African Americans in general, talk about depression. You'll hear them say, oh, I'm depressed right now. Mm -hmm. But they won't talk about, you know, being in a state of depression.
0: Right, right. Yeah, I and do. Feel
3: feel it, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm
0: sorry. I do feel it has a lot to do with um, the African American community because, I mean, quite honestly, for the entirety of the African American um, society and the and the way that we've come and where we've come from, we have been very dependent on our own strength, and it's been um, really, really about um, you are overcomers you don't have to go through this you are this you are that you are that and so um that 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 innate or or rather not innate cuz it's not innate that 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 um impressionable idea that we are above all all these things gives us this um this idea that we don't have to acknowledge things that we go through, that it's just, you know, something that's gonna it's gonna come, it's gonna pass, it's gonna be gone tomorrow and then that digs us deeper into a hole. Um depression, for instance, is not, you know, a temporary mood swing. It's not um, you know, something that you go through one day and then, you know, it's it's over and it's not even a it's not even really a, a sign of weakness. Um it's an actual illness. It's a it's a it's a problem. Um, your your chemicals are out of balance. Something's wrong. Um, um, so I don't think that, that we in the black community really attack it because we don't really understand its depth. We don't understand that it's actual sickness. We we kind of look at it as taboo, like you know, if you're depressed and something's wrong with you, you're not strong, you're not working enough, you're not doing this, you're not doing that, or you need to find meaning in your lives. It, it, sometimes it's not about that. Sometimes it's about um, you, you've gotten to a point because of, of stress and pain and anxiety continued, um, maybe even physical or health problems. That you 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 have a chemical imbalance, imbalance. That something has happened and 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 it's very real and it's very treatable. So I do I do believe what you say. I do agree that that um, that it, it is an issue in the black community that we don't talk about and um, we need to talk about it. It's not taboo. It's very real. And the, and the longer that we do not speak about it, the worse it's going to get um, because these issues are treatable. And um, they're healable.
2: So it's, it's definitely something that we have to talk about more in the black community. Yes. Beverly, we have a caller from the 972 area code. Caller, are you there? Caller, are you there? I guess we lost them. Beverly, you, you said that you're not going to be shamed. You're not going to be, you know, you're not, you're not going to back down. Mm-hmm. You've made this commitment to serve God and follow him. hmm and you made a solid commitment. Yes. Now I can say this from my own personal experience. When you make that commitment, get ready. <laughs> right. Get ready. If yeah. you never if you if you don't believe that the enemy is alive and roaming this what? earth, make, make a commitment. A commitment. <laughs> when you make that commitment, here he comes.
0: Mhm.
2: He's coming like never before.
0: Well, that's his job. Like sure. that's what he's assigned to do.
2: Yeah. He's not worried
0: about the folks that haven't made a commitment. He's worried about the folks that have made a commitment because they can do ultimate damage to his kingdom. Yeah. So, I mean, that when you sign up like you said, when you sign up to make a commitment for for Christ and for the purposes of God and for the kingdom of God, expect it. It's not gonna not come. Yeah. It has to come because he's angry. Um so I think that is the 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 remedy is just being prepared for it, and I think that a lot of times people aren't really prepared for it, which is why ministries may fail or people may fall into depression or things of that nature because the attacks can be so great that um without you know warning or um knowledge of how to deal with it, it can be very overwhelming. Hmm. I remember when I first wrote confessions i um, submitted it to some people that I was attending church with and, and let them read it, um, older women. Um, and they were just like, no, this is not okay. Um, you don't have to tell all that. You know, it was kind of like you could have a testimony, but don't tell anybody about it. It's just that's between you and God. You, you go deal with the issues on your own. It was kind of like that. And I felt that, um you know, that was the, the very first attack that I went through with um this book was the, the church people not wanting it to be published and not wanting it to be spoken about and things of that nature. And that was very, very, very sad for me because, this, you, as you know, Greg, like when you, when it's your baby, when this is something that you love and something that you've dreamed about and something yeah. that you've invested money, 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 and time in, um, it's, it's, sad when when it's not received and at that point it was being received by no one no publishers no church people no one but like you know me mama daddy and you know my my few close friends um but not being received by anyone and and that was the first attack had i stopped then we wouldn't be having this conversation now
2: and someone wouldn't be set free tonight
0: that's right and so it's just a matter of knowing how to deal with the, uh, the attacks of the enemy against you because I think what we sort of realize sometimes is that the enemy does not just jump and attack. He sits there for a minute, and he comes up with a strategy to attack you. He listens to what you say. He watches what you do, and he says, I think attacking her emotions would, get, would catch her off guard and bring her down and, or bring him down. And so he does that, and he sees what happens. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. If it doesn't, he says, okay, he sits back and he watches. That's why the attacks come. It, it, they come sporadically. They don't come just, you know, immediately they come, and then they come, 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 come. They'll come, wait a few weeks, and they'll come again because he's strategizing. So we have to get just as business-minded and, strat- and strategize like the enemy does to counterattack him and to build up the kingdom of God. We don't really have a strategy in the church. We do, well, sometimes we do. Uh, we don't really have a strategy in our ministry sometimes. Um, so we really got to become very, very um, smart about watching what we say because he hears us. This is why I say you have what you say and you are what you believe because if you keep saying things like, I'm not going to get better, or it can't get better, I don't know what to do, and, and, you know, I'm this and I'm that, then that's what you're going to be because that's what he's going to hear and that's the area he's going to attack you in. So we have to start watching what we say to counterattack. We have to um, just just be knowledgeable that the attack is coming and prepare for it.
2: Yes. You know, I want to say this, it's not a question, but it's just something that I want to say to you. I was reading about Oprah, and we all know the same thing happened to Oprah when she was a little girl.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: She didn't stop. Mm -mm. She's where she is right now because she never stopped. What happened in her life, the same thing happened in your life. You two share that. Now, the enemy tried to do everything he could to stop you.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But it seems, well, you know, you have a choice. in with, with a situation like that, you have a choice to either be bitter or to get better. Right. You chose to get better. Oprah chose to get better. Now, it didn't happen overnight. We know it's a process.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But you made a commitment. The both of you made a commitment and I just want to say that I'm so proud of you and I'm just so happy that you're doing what you're doing because a lot of people, like you said, when they read your book, they didn't accept it,
1: Mm -hmm.
2: but it wasn't for them to accept. That's right. And God said, do this, do this, do this, and you did that. And so many people are being set free. And I think a lot of times when people read this book, The emails that I've received over the week, it's just been a blessing. Because so many people said, that happened to me.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. I'm so glad she wrote that. Because because that's something that I can't talk with anybody about. And that's something in my life that I don't want to get out. And the first thing I, I ask them, do you know God? And a lot of times they say, I do, but my situation can't change. Do you know God? What would you say to these people, and how would you tell them? how How can they spend their time and get you know, a better relationship with God?
0: Well, the the initial thing that you can do, and this is not difficult, and um, is it's not um, it's not complicated. Is talk to him. Um, a lot of times, we we assume that our talking to him has to be this um, very theological. Um, long-winded prayer, and that's as far from the truth um, as possible. You could talk to him riding in your car. You could talk to him in the shower. You could talk to him getting dressed. You could talk to him sitting at your desk at work. Um, I have conversations with God um, anywhere and everywhere. I go to the park and sit there and talk to him. I know people think I'm crazy because they probably walk past me like, why is she talking to herself? I'm not talking to myself. You know why I'm not talking to myself? Because I'm never alone. And so one of the things we have to realize is that, that God is there and he's available to talk to, even if you can't hear him back, and that, that he's available to talk to. It's a very simple thing. And the second thing to do is begin to read um, your Bible. You don't have to have a formula or a format. Um, you could you know, pick, a, pick whatever book sounds pretty to you. And start reading it. Um, you know, it's not deep. Don't don't over spiritualize, or let someone over spiritualize it for you. Um, if you if you like the testimony of Jesus Christ, read Matthew. Um, if you want to see uh, uh, justice, destiny and purpose, read Romans. Um, if you need a little bit of correction, read Corinthians. Um, so if you want to hear about the end times, read Revelation. Uh, If you want to know history, you know, read Genesis, Exodus. I I think um, one of the beautiful, beautiful things about reading the Word of God and about the Word of God is that there's no point in picking up the Bible if you don't believe in God, um, because the first four words of the Bible are, in the beginning, God. And so that sets a a preface for the whole book. Um, And and that's one thing I love about the Bible is that, uh, it starts off with like, hey, if you don't believe in God, you might as well just put it down because in the beginning, God, and then the rest of it comes. Um, so so reading the Bible is the second thing, just picking it up and, and seeing what it's all about and just starting to, you know, thumb through it, read it. You don't have to stress. You don't have to make it complicated. Walk your own walk. Build your own relationship. Don't feel pressured into, into learning five Bible verses a day or, or following your, your daily manual to a T. Just walk it out. Just just be you and God. Let you and God just come together and be. If you read one sentence of the Bible today, that's one sentence that you didn't read before. That's one sentence that you didn't know before. No pressure. Just have your own relationship with God. Have an intimate, personal. That's why we call it a personal relationship, because it's between you and you, you and God so um, pray and, and read and build that. That is the foundation of the relationship. If you want to get to know someone, even a man or a woman that you're trying to date or, or be married to, you, you learn about them. You ask their friends about them. Um, you read about them. You know, you, you do things to get to know them. You talk to them. And so I approach God in, in that manner. I, I, I want to know about him. So I read about him. I read books about him. I read the Bible. Um, I talk to him. Um, so it's developing your own intimate, intimate marital relationship with God, saying, I'm going to commit myself to you, and although I may not know all the Bible verses or be, you know, as as extravagant as some other people, this is between me and you, and this is what we're going to do. We're going to walk this thing out together, and I'm not going without you.
2: Wow. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour, and our guest is best-selling author and humanitarian Beverly T. Gooden. If you have any questions for Beverly please feel free to call in at 718-508-9600. Beverly, I want to read something. And, And when I read this, I want you to just tell me the first thing that comes to mind, okay? Okay. Jeremiah 29 and 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. What comes to mind when you read that? When you, when that's the
1: God
0: I serve, that's the God we all serve, a God that's not out to harm you, a God that's out to give you hope, and a God that already knows your future. That's the kind of God that we serve, and that's the kind of God that we need to commit our lives to um and that's the kind of God that walks us through those dark situations such as rape, what we've talked about today when 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 the when young women feel this is it. Um, it's not going to go any, anywhere else than this. That verse you read right there disproves their theory because it says a hope for the future and, and, and God. And so um, that, that's what that verse makes me think of. That's the God that loves us enough to have a hope planned for our future, to already know the plans I have for you. Once again, he's speaking in past tense about us, about you, and about you. Speaking in past tense, for I know the plans I have for you plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Hope in the future. So so that, that that is a very um a very a verse full of hope, a verse full of um encouragement. And I'm glad you read that. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah. Um, uh, Beverly, mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit about your foundation. Okay. And what you do as far as uh talking with youth and with women in general about uh, substance abuse, addiction, abstinence
0: mm-hmm. Well abstinence uh, I do a lot of talking about abstinence And I do that because I want people to understand That abstinence is a love song Abstinence is is uh, a love song Between you and between God It's one of those intimate parts Of the relationship that you're going to start developing tonight um, it's, it's saying God I love you enough To keep this part of me um, Separate and and preserve it for your purposes and his purposes are marriage, and so it's it's a love commitment. It's it's um and you know what it it keeps you from a lot of things. When you're abstinent, you don't have to worry about STDs, you don't have to worry about pregnancy, um and you can also have the peace of mind of knowing that I'm not going to be stressed out about this man or this woman because I, I'm thinking about what I did with them last night, or what I want to do with them tonight, or what I could be doing with them now. You, you're you're focused on your relationship with God and not only that, you get to know people much better when you take sex out of the equation. Um, so so that's what that's what I like to talk about with abstinence and of course rape, um and the sexual addiction and the drug addiction. Um the found the corporation is we were talking about this a little earlier, is about um establishing residential housing for homeless and abused children, um, so that they can have relief for the things that they they go through. Um, I'm an adopted child, um, and I don't know my parents, and I never have. I do know my adopted parents. They adopted me when I was a child and have cared for me very dearly ever since, and, and I owe them everything. Um, but this is for those, those children that haven't gotten out of the system, that have no place to go, that are being abused, or that their parents have fallen on hard times or are just being ignorant. And um, they're homeless. And so this is for them because I don't believe that it's okay for us to have all this money um, for wars and and not fight the own battle that we have in our own country against homelessness and poverty. Um, I don't think it's okay for us to obsess all day on CNN about Paris Hilton and going back to jail and not confront issues such as homelessness and poverty among children. That's not okay.
3: Amen. (laughs) Um,
0: So... This is this this corporation is designed for for relief services for children because children um, you know not only are they our future which is a, a, a phrase that we say all the time they are also our hope these are our children these are going to be the next leaders of of the nations these are going to be the next ministers these are going to be the next athletes these are going to be the next um, artistic people these are going to be the next congressmen and businessmen and. Um, Fortune 500 company owners, and, and they have to be given a fair chance and a good start at a lot. There's no reason for children to go to bed hungry and starving in America. That should not happen. It should not happen. It's not, it shouldn't even be possible. There's no reason for children not to have, you know, clothing. There's no reason for children not to have pajamas to sleep in. There's no reason for children to go to school dirty. And there's no reason for children to be subject to abuse by their parents. And so this is what the corporation is all about, finding relief services for them, um, educating the public on um, these issues and finding solutions for these issues. The Refuge House is is what it's called. It's not going to be a residential housing service forever. My hope is that the issue of homelessness and child abuse neglect will be eliminated completely um, through this corporation through finding um, research and education on these issues so that um, the issue can be um, completely eradicated from America and eventually from the earth because it's not fair for children who have no choice. Um, So that's what the corporation is all about.
2: Beverly, we have a caller. Um, We're going to take a question from her. She's calling from the 407 area code. Caller, are you there? Yes,
0: I am. Yes, Beverly's listening. Okay. um, I've written a blog recently, and it talked about the subtlety of rape. And I asked the question, is it rape when um, your intention is no, but um, after being coerced and prodded and put in a position where you don't want to um, get in uh, a fight or or that sort of thing, but you go along with it. Um, And I asked that. I said, who thinks it's rape? Because a lot of times people think, oh, you just gave in, and um, you still have the end result. Um, inside knowing that you were raped because that was not your will uh, to continue in the act. It was theirs. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is rape it, it, because rape extends past physical. Rape is also emotional. Um, rape is also spiritual. So if your intention was no and, and you went along with it for safety purposes or or for any reason, it's still rape. Rape is when you are forced to have sex or when you are, 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 are having sex and you don't want to. Um, I, I can say, we, we briefly discussed that earlier, but the, the very last time I was raped, the third time, third and final time I was raped, um, the man entered my home by force, and he grabbed me, and he made it very clear what he was about to do, and I, I stopped. I didn't fight. I didn't fight him. I didn't scream. I didn't yell. I didn't run. I stopped because I had a feeling if I fought him, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now, and I'd be dead. So because I didn't fight him, was that not rape? No, of course it was still rape. Um, He heard no, he heard stop. But after that, I did not move because I knew he would kill me. So um, it's definitely rape. If you don't want to have sex and you're having sex and you've made it clear whether once, twice, or three times that that is not your intention, that it is rape, and you need to report it, and and that that's just it,
2: well, Beverly, let me ask you this. When You remember when I called you in, in July after that had happened and you were home. And when you heard my voice, you, you were so weak, but you wanted to talk. And I said, well, Beverly, you know, I can call you back. You said, no, I'm okay. I can talk. Mm-hmm. And you shared with me what happened.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: How, where did you find the strength to, to keep going? Where? Where where did you find the strength to tell me that? And this was um, like days, this was just a couple of days after mm-hmm. the attack.
0: Mm-hmm. The strength came from knowing that I was alive and that I still had a voice and that I could still open my mouth and speak and that that is not the testimony of many people who are raped. Many people who are raped die. We just heard about the girl in Kansas who was kidnapped from target and killed she doesn't have a voice she can't speak there's nothing else she could say and so the strength comes from knowing that I've lived and that I've made it and that I can go on and so there's absolutely no reason for me to sit silent about something that's happened um so that's where the strength comes from from knowing that I can make a difference still even in this sadness and I do remember talking to you I do I was I was I was in a very um a, a, kind of like a, a Star Trek state, I'd call it. It was just kind of like, okay, this is really weird and it happened again. However, this is not going to stop me. Um, so so the strength came from knowing that I can still speak and knowing that I have to be the voice for those that didn't make it out, for those that, that may have fought and ended up dying because they fought, um, for those that, that may have um, not wanted to or may have been forced to do something that, um they that they did and and were killed because of it and and so i knew that um even talking to you i knew you'd be one of the first people i spoke to but that it wouldn't stop with you and that you were a safe person to talk to about it at that point um because i knew you then and i trusted you um so so the strength just came from knowing that i lived to see another day and that and that my time wasn't up and that i could still go on that's where the strength came from And that's where everyone's strength to come from, knowing that you're still here and that that man or whoever raped you did not kill you, that they did not take you out, and that your life is spared and that you're here, and that you have a voice, that you can talk about it.
3: Beverly, let me ask you uh, another question about your uh, organization, your foundation. Mm -hmm. Is it going to be locally based where you are, or are you going to do like a nationwide effort?
0: Nationwide effort, taking over the world. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> hey,
3: so, how can um, others who may be interested um, get involved? You know, um, like I'm definitely interested. I, I deal with youth. I deal with um, abstinence issues. I talk about HIV prevention and abstinence and so forth. And I definitely would love to get involved. And every now and then, I'm, I'm in South Carolina, so that's why I'm asking.
0: Look at there. You have to look me up.
3: Absolutely. <laughs>
0: Uh, well, anybody that wants to get involved, they can email me at um, info at beverlyt dot com or info at btgcorp dot org. The actual website where you get more information is www.btgcorp.org. org, and it's my initials Beverly T Gooden C O R P dot org. Um, and there's more information on there. Um, and if you have any information about grant opportunities or about funding. Um, Like I said, the first two homes are going to be in Cleveland, Ohio, and Chicago, Illinois. Um, So specific for those areas, if you have any more information about um, homeless services for those areas, feel free to to contact me and and send me an email. The quickest way to get to me is email because I always have um, my email with me, and sometimes I don't answer the phone because I, I seem to never keep it with me. But <laughs> I do have a phone. But email is is the best way to get in contact with me. And I would love to have anyone who would like to be involved um, be involved because this is, is a, a crisis. It's an American crisis, and you don't hear that very often. We hear about oil being an American crisis, it's you know really not. It's it's homelessness and poverty and 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 our dying children, New Orleans. Um, these are actual real crises. Um, so is this, there's absolutely no reason for. Americans to be living like they're in third world poverty. And that's not okay. Um, as much money as we spend on other things, as, as many you know Rolls Royces as I see rolling around the streets, there's no reason for children to be going to bed dying hungry. Um, so anyone that would like to get involved, I would love, 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 love for you to get involved. Just email me once again. It's info at com, and we'll get your email and contact you.
2: Yes. Yeah, Beverly, we thank you so much.
0: Thank you. Coming on the show. Thank you.
2: Yes, we had a wonderful time with you, and I tell you what, everybody out there that heard Beverly, please, please contact her. She will definitely help you. She will do whatever she can. You can also contact myself with Brian. you go on our website.
1: You're on the show right
2: now, so you see that. You have that information. But I tell you what, God is good and He's able. Yes. Yeah. And He is faithful. Not just Beverly, He'll be faithful to you. All you have to do is give Him. A chance. With that being said, we're listening to the under solutions hour. We can't wait to night. Thank you, Beverly. Thank
1: you.
3: Thanks, Beverly.
1: Love you. Bye. Bye bye. My body and my soul away. Now I come to you, cause I need to be whole. Heal my soul.